Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Desks and Day Jobs. It's me, your district manager, Hobart, here with a special bonus episode. Ooh, that's right. We got something really fun for you today, folks. Uh, at at the, the second half of this bonus episode uh, is going to be our live show from C2E2 2020. We were honored to be asked to perform there. Uh, we performed at the Podcast Central booth right next to Artist Alley. You might have walked by and uh, saw us if you were walking around. And uh, if not, you probably saw the Podcast Central folks were doing live podcasts all weekend long. We were. It was a a lot of fun to be a part of, and we really appreciate them having us, and we had a great time. So get ready for a very rowdy live episode coming to you from the floor of a massive comic convention. It was so much fun. Uh, yeah, as we, and stay tuned to find out how our uh, cast handles uh, trying to meet a celebrity at a convention. Ooh, it goes actually pretty well for him. Okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. Here is the other thing that we're here for in this episode. Uh, we are starting a brand new season uh, that we're calling Hoffman Chronicles Volume 2, uh, carrying on uh, our current arc of adventures. Um, and we uh, thought it'd be nice to kind of talk about, uh, give a recap and a, a sort of introduction to our show for anyone who wants to catch up or has already caught up and they want a reminder of what's happened. Either way, this is going to be a guide to desks and day jobs. As brief as I can keep it, I have a tendency to ramble on. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Uh, go ahead and treat yourself if you want. Uh, I, I have uh, poured myself a little cocktail, and I'm going to give you all the presentation that I think is the, the best way to present this information. I, I thought about it, and I didn't want to do like a sort of previously on Destined Day Jobs, like movie trailer kind of thing for this. I thought a, a more casual conversation might be fun, especially because the way I most often tell people about this show is over drinks at a bar. So pretend you're sitting in a bar in Chicago, and I've cornered you at the bar, and now I'm telling you about my podcast. Ooh, how fun, right? Okay, let's get started. Mm, so, Deaths and Day Jobs is an actual play podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. But we have very, very much homebrewed our rules uh, because our show does not take place in the fantasy realm. Instead, it takes place in our own mundane realm, following the adventures of co-workers working for a company known as MPC Inc., uh, NBC Incorporated. Uh, in fantasy Chicago, as we like to call it. Uh, so uh, we play the game a lot differently, expect a lot of role play, expect a lot of skill checks to lie to bosses, uh, and also expect for combat to be different. Uh, we have conversational combat on this show. Uh, we've adapted weapons and spells to uh, be, you know, comebacks, put downs, and arguments for your case that cause, uh, you know, anxiety, bluntness, and uh, boredom damage, uh, and, and beyond. Uh, 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 so uh, uh, expect wizards who uh, cast uh, horrible roasts and uh, uh, rogues who get a sneak attack with a underhanded jab. Uh, okay, so uh, that's kind of the structure of the show and the way that we like to play our game. But uh, we've been playing now for uh, about three years, and we've had a lot of changes to our shows. Uh, we have now, this is the start of what is technically, I guess, our fifth season, uh, but the season's leading up to this are kind of more defined by vibes you know <laughs> whenever we kind of got to an end of an arc we would cut it there's no there's no uh there's no like a uh, logic to it so hopefully uh this story i'm about to tell you we'll catch you up and if and we we invite you to go back and check on our old episodes um i recommend personally starting at a uh, season two especially if you're someone who has a problem with 
bad sound quality. Uh, we started off a little rough, and we did figure it out after a while. Uh, also, you meet a lot of the characters that are take part in the Hoffman Chronicles arcs in seasons two through four, uh, three. Uh, after that, we pick up the Hoffman Chronicles, which is was the uh, show the the, the st- parts of the story that I have been uh, DMing, uh, which has a sort of uh, overarching narrative to it. Uh, so that's also a fun place to start, but you do miss out on some of the fun lore. But l- there's no wrong way to eat a podcast about D&D, right? <laughs> it's me trying not to get sued by Reese's as I said it. Okay, let's get started. Enough dilly-dallying. Okay, so season one of Destined Day Jobs followed the adventures of five uh, five co-workers. Uh, we had Praline, the rogue salesperson. We had Lorraine, the bardic intern. Uh, Stuart Beacon, the IT wizard. Carrie, the bike messenger ranger. And Hope Shaytree, the HR druid. Uh, uh, this team, collectively known as the Zoo Crew, uh, was devoted to doing as little work as possible and causing as much chaos as possible on their in their office. Uh, they would go to parties and break bongs over vampires' heads, interrupt sexual harassment trainings, chug vodka next to their desk, and uh, generally just make a just uh, we're a menace. Uh, but uh, we, we a, a endearing menace, I hope. <laughs> um, there, uh, th- that was all under the adventures of DM Rory. Sadly, DM Rory had to retire, and uh, so we had an interim DM named DM Steven. DM Steven led us on a kind of fun, overarching one shot in which uh, the company NPC Inc was sold to a charismatic CEO named Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian decided to reward some of his favorite employees he spotted around the office. Somehow it was us, and we were pulled into a night of uh, uh, of, of fun with our CEO uh, and his. This is also when we get meet uh, sort of the series villain and now current party member Maxwell, a toady for uh, Sebastian, uh, who is very nefarious uh, and seeming always to try to be getting on his boss best side and put anyone down who he thought was a threat. Uh, This adventure included a very dramatic uh, laser uh, laser tag battle and uh, some really uh, fun karaoke. Uh, This is also when we introduce the current Destined Day Jobs uh, 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 cast member, not cast member, sorry, uh, character uh, Rainforest Fernandez, who at the time was a bartender at the karaoke place. Uh, This is when her and Hope meet and they start dating in the next season. Um, okay, and after that, DM Steven had to say goodbye as we brought in our new permanent, D- our new somewhat permanent DM, DM Alex. Uh, DM Alex um, uh, started a, a new adventure with the zoo crew, an assignment to find a file down in the uh, basement storage area. Uh, they were sent out with the barest of clues and the promise of burritos for rewards. Uh, so they set out and immediately just obsessed about how they were going to have burritos and did very little work. Uh, this is the first time that we are introduced to Gemstone Designs, a company that resides in the office building of MPC Inc. on the lower floors. They sneak through there on their way to the records department and along the way uh, and also make their way into the accounting department, uh, where they meet for the first time current party member Agnes Hellman, a very hip tiefling uh, accountant, uh, later Bart, uh, and uh, uncover a bit of a plot. Uh, so apparently this record was missing on purpose, and it contains some sort of accounting error someone is trying to hide. They eventually make their way down into the records room and find the file cabinet and the body of Paul Wall, the stairwell ghost. Uh, they find his skeleton down there. Uh, and Hope takes his skull as a memento of their adventure, uh, making Paul Wall a sort of um, somewhat uh, an NPC in our current campaign. 
they are also successful. They undercover. They and, and the the offending party is let go. Uh, after that, they. Uh, after that, we start season two. Uh, season two sees a change in our party makeup. Uh, we had some retiring. Uh, Lorraine uh, decides that she would much rather follow her career, her, her, her uh, chosen gift for acting. Uh, Praline real remembers that she's an heiress and can pretty much do whatever she wants and goes on a year abroad. And Carrie, the bike messenger, finds a much more suitable job in uh, being a CrossFit trainer. Uh, so they all retire and say goodbye, leaving just Stuart and Hobe as our party. Uh, then they are joined by two new party members. They're joined by Brew T. Camry, the rogue accountant, uh, a very crafty lady, uh, and Orlando jo- uh, Jordan, uh, a very boorish, uh, uh, barbarian-based middle manager uh, who's very, very old. I think canonically like pushed uh, past 80. Uh, so uh, they are joined by them uh, and uh, a new adventure begins as they seek to help out the marketing department. We meet the marketing department of for the first time in this season, including Tracy Vista, the head of the marketing department, uh, and uh, Daniel Drakowitz, a dragonborn, a very nice dragonborn who works in the marketing department, and Beardkowski, uh, uh, who in this arc was actually called Scruffkowski, but I didn't have access to DM uh, Alex's all notes, uh, so I kind of missed that until I later found remembered that I had changed one hair base name for another hair base name. <laughs> uh, they're somewhat successful in helping out the marketing department or at least getting to the bottom of what they're trying to do and follow along uh, for a meeting they're going to to get some free legal advice from alan bloodskull another one of our series villains introduced here a uh, very menacing uh orcish uh, uh lawyer uh, who they quickly discover is not actually there to help the marketing department, but rather to uh, kind of get information and give them bad information to put them in a bad place when it comes to bargaining. Uh, they confront Alan Bloodskull and defeat him in battle for the first time, uh, driving him away and then uh, saving the day. Uh, but they find out the next day that Alan Bloodskull, of course, dropped dime on them, and uh, some, they seem to know about uh, what is going on, and some of the marketing people have been mysteriously sent home for the day. Uh, they get to the kind Kind of uh, get to the bottom of it, realizing that it is probably Maxwell related, and follow Maxwell out for a lunch that he promises to buy them, uh, which of course goes weirdly as they upset Maxwell and he tries to escape without footing the bill. Uh, they manage to chase him down and then uh, find out that he is on his way to drop off some paperwork that will uh, put the marketing department in even worse place with the company. Uh, they they manage to head him off there at the at the other office building where a showdown ensues and uh, they defeat Maxwell uh, by explaining to him the power of friendship and anime. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and, uh, which is great because that becomes a big part of the current uh, character for Maxwell. So we like to think that g- gaining a love of anime makes him a much better guy. <laughs> so that's his turning point, folks. Uh, okay, after that, uh, season three begins. Um in season three, our characters uh, go on uh, another journey. Uh, they they uh, uh, they they well first they make a little side stop to go see Agnes Hellman in concert. Uh, she's doing a bit of a open mic show, and they go to see her play uh, the first time for the first time, which becomes a big part of our story in the Hoffman Chronicles. Uh, they help her have a really great show, partially by fucking up everyone else's sets, but also by being surprisingly supportive of their new friend. Uh, next, our next adventure starts with the character 
characters being sent by a nefarious upper management person named Reno Jabroni uh, to uh, the shipping department, uh, which is off-site in Western Fantasy Chicago, to find out why things have been backed up there. Uh, they get there and they find out that this has all been a ploy by Reno Jabroni, working with a shipping coordinating disruptor named Skyler, uh, who a, a vampiric guy, uh, to uh, um, uh, a vampiric disruptor is the joke, uh, to to make sure that the efficiency goes down and then they can take it over and make it uh, all tech bullshitty. Uh, they help out as best they can, uh, donning some very bad disguises, challenging some of the uh, workers to a game of pickup pick basketball, and helping one of the loading trolls find their lost trophy. Uh, it, uh, it all ends with a showdown with Skylar the Vampire, uh, who they defeat and save the day for now. Ooh. Uh, that is it for season three. Uh, season three leads now into where DM Hobart, that's me, takes over. Uh, and this is where the Hoffman Chronicles begins. And where I'm probably going to start getting even more detailed because these are the notes that I have. Take a pause for a drink. So... The Hoffman Chronicles starts out with the revelation that one of Hope Shade Tree's friends from college is a man named Joni Hoffman. Joni Hoffman in our game is a sort of business mogul, a guy who's made an empire of uh, legal weed dispensaries and uh, is just sort of a charming billionaire playboy uh he takes a he, he goes out for a night of partying with hope back in their hometown in tennessee and is so taken of uh taken with the uh, the description of the adventures at mpc inc that he decides he's gonna buy it so he can hang out with everybody so he buys it sort of as a fuck around impulse and immediately takes over and makes hope shade tree vice president under this alarming new position for poor hope uh he is, gets to assemble his own department so he selects some friends to make up a a special projects division. Um, Orlando Jordan has retired officially. <laughs> and finally, yeah, at age 85, retires. Uh, and so we gain some new party members. One is Agnes Hellman, joining in with Broob, Stewart, and Hope, uh, the, the hip accountant now barred. Uh, and also we are joined by Matthias Maxwell and also learn his first name, uh, joining us as a sort of skittish uh, sorcerer salesman uh, who's now trying to uh, make amends for his past behavior and also spread his love of anime. Uh, the kind of main quest of Hoffman Chronicles is a contest between Joni Kaufman and the company. He immediately sets out to, do a, uh, to have a contest where they judge who the most valuable department is. The people who will win that will get a big bonus on their paycheck and they do a little preliminary vote by the heads of all the departments. Uh, they find out to their great uh, alarm that uh, the heads of departments all think that Special Projects is just a fuck-around division made for uh, Joni's friends, and they are at the very bottom. And so they set out to prove that their department is worth a damn. Um they immediately head to the marketing department to reconnect with old friend Shady, uh, sorry, uh, old friend Tracy Vista. They uh, Tracy Vista in this game is based on a warlock, and uh, their patron is the demonic presence of student loans, who's constantly putting pressure on them uh, that they can barely take. So they are looking for a new job and ask for the uh, what becomes soon the Apple Barrel Gang uh, to take their portfolio down to Gemstone Designs to apply for a job there. Uh, they also find out that there's a missing. Photos for a product launch, and that Brant Beardkowski, uh, one of the marketing people, is uh, very hungry and wants some donuts. They set out for the 
very easy side quest of getting some donuts, uh, uh, talk, talk down some very stone teens in a round of conversational combat, and then spend a lot of the day hanging out at the tavern for our game, which is called the Bone Zone. It's a dive bar in the basement of uh, the NPC Inc. building, uh, and it's sort of a, a hip bar that everyone likes to hang out with. They go down there, and they are immediately greeted by the proprietor of the bar, a man named Stuart Skellington, uh, based on the D&D Lich. He's a rock star whose band all was killed in a fiery crash and they mysteriously survived but now live amongst the a tomb of their own memorabilia. Uh, they have some fun drinks and meet some other characters for our show. Uh, they, they reconnect with Reinforce Fernandez who works now at Bone Zone. Uh, they meet a spooky rocker named Kralvin Heavens uh, who Agnes convinces to come and watch her set later that night. And they meet Elian Silverwood, the partner at BNS Law Firm, Blood Skull and Silverwood. That is the uh, the law firm of their nemesis, Alan Bloodskull, who they also find out is working for Jody, uh, Joni Hoffman. And so they have another connection to their old foe. Uh, they set out a bit of their adventure. They try to find the, uh, the, the, the any information they can about this mysterious missing photographer. So they head to the records department where they meet Deborah Mama Storybrooke, a seemingly kind old woman who might have a darker side than she lets on. Uh, she invites them to go find the file they need within her records room, uh, which turns out to be a grim place indeed, where interns are sent to die of boredom and become zombified. Uh, they manage to shake off zombified interns and grab the file they need to escape. Uh, and they find out on the way out that uh, um, uh, they, they find a mysterious book. Uh, Agnes finds a mysterious book and uh, they have a uh, intense conversation with Deborah Storybrooke uh, as she warns them that taking files without her permission is uh, something she frowns deeply on. Uh, this is the first of our Hoffman Chronicle interludes to the past. Uh, at this point, we take a step back into the past so that we can see uh, uh, what 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 was going on in this building on a much in a past era. Uh, so we, go, we flash back to the 1960s when MPC Inc. was not in this building and instead it was the headquarters of a magazine called Fayboy. Uh, and we follow the adventure of uh, three of the people who work for this magazine. Uh, one is uh, um, Al Buchanan, a charming uh, ad man, uh, think very Don Draper, uh, who, uh, who has a lot of money behind him. Uh, then there is uh, Tim Tim, a go get him journalist and Deb Hammer, a, a very can-do photographer. Uh, we follow their adventure as they find try to find out why a uh, a art uh, sorry a story about the Hoffman Company uh, was cut and its connections to uh, the current 1960s international conflict. Um, they manage to uncover the truth and in return are confronted by sinister Hoffman uh, Hoffman Company uh, CEO Hector Hoffman, who encourages their boss Samson Horner. To fire them on the spot, uh, he does the deed, and we lose Tim. Tim and Al are first canonically killed, aka fired in our world. Uh, characters, uh, they uh, Hector decides to spare Deb Hammer, uh, giving her a desk job at the thing, saying that photography is no work for a woman, uh, which she agrees with. Uh, to to um, she kind of sells out her own values, and we find out at the end of our episode that Deb Hammer goes on to marry and become Deborah Storybrooke, the current head of NPC Rankard's department, and someone a um a bitter elderly employee bent on vengeance.
a vengeance that we do not understand. Uh, after that, we head to uh, an, a night of fun as our uh, as our uh, party kicks back and uh, celebrates with a night of music by Agnes and Hobe's band, Satanic Panic. Uh, they encourage Brant Bierkowski to join in on the band, and they meet uh, the band bassist, a fierce punk named Reagan Longsocks, uh, represented by a knoll in our game. Uh, they team up and have a very good show. And uh, Broob even helps Maxwell, who's gone home feeling sick uh, and uh, uh, helps him score by getting a phone number uh, for someone he had met in the bar earlier, a shady land snake, a yon tea woman, uh, as uh, she was almost about to go home with Joni Hoffman. She sweeps in and say, and, uh, and, and, and puts in a good word for Maxwell. Uh, after that, uh, the, the, they have a very good show, even though Deborah Storybrooke in a much more punk attire shows up and tries to stir up trouble by creating a powerful mosh pit that they defeat and placate with their wonderful tunes. At this point, Kralvin Heavens, lead singer of Kralvin and the Crypt Monks, we find a, a local heavy metal band, offers them a gig opening up for their band on Friday, setting up our big, uh, what becomes our arc-ending episode, the concert at the dragon known as Lincoln Hall. Lincoln Hall. Now, Tuesday begins, and our characters all set out uh, to uh, deliver that portfolio for Tracy Vista. They go down to Gemstone Designs, where they discover that much like in the previous times they, they had visited the uh, this location, it is uh, controlled by a... Uh, a um a vicious dragon, uh, or, or really a powerful CEO named Linda Draconis. Linda Draconis's followers uh, are all uh, obsessive uh, graphic designers who worship her, and uh, they all are represented as kobolds, and uh, the kobolds immediately capture our party, thinking that they are new interns there to help set up for Linda Draconis's birthday which they unfortunately chanced to show up right on time for. Uh, some of the character, uh, Broob, Agnes, and uh, Stuart are sent off to go make some cards with some kobolds while Maxwell slips away and discovers a secret about the party. One of the kobolds, Pala, went off to get a spa gift card for Linda, but then accidentally, and maybe on purpose, used it on themselves, getting a full makeover and transforming into a gorgeous unicorn, um, representing their true, their true soul. Uh, they um, uh, try to fight, figure out a way to cover up for the mistake with the help of Pala's husband, Craig, the office manager, and come up with a clever way to trick the very dumb kobolds. Uh, Maxwell also uh, engages in a sort of uh, uh, one team versus other team battle to decide what the food of the party is going to be, Thai food versus tacos, while our other, uh, our other friends uh, navigate a series of traps to escape from the dungeon. And... Uh, um, and uh, Broob ends up bumping into Linda herself, uh, managing to bluff her way out of a dangerous encounter with a high-level CEO, convincing her that uh, it, she was a singing telegram and delivering at the same time the portfolio to her office. Uh, they manage to escape from the kobolds, and uh, then they go. Uh, they, <laughs> they, 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 their day is done, having spent most of it with this insane adventure. And uh, so they, uh, they, well, they, well, sorry, they, they head upstairs to. To discover uh, that there has been some new hires uh, that uh, the Joni Hoffman has brought on the Mercida twins. Uh, this is Tori and Rory Mercida, a uh, a very menacing Tabaxi rogue Tori and a brutish salesman bugbear Rory. They both wear a pin that, that our characters had seen previously worn by um, by uh, by Alan Bloodskull, and also it's a pin that features prominently in our 1960s episode. The pin 
Den of the Cult of the Blue Eye, a sword with a blue eye on it that some of the members of this organization wear. Uh, they continue to grow suspicious about what this pin means, especially when they discover that Tori knows Maxwell. Uh, in fact, uh, they, it turns out they went to school together. And so that is where we leave off of that. Okay. A new day dawns, and Tori and Rory are now uh, fully wielding their power as liaisons between the marketing department and the sales department, aiding Jackson Bloodskull Williams, son of Alan Bloodskull, uh, with uh, his campaign down in the sales floor. It turns out Jackson Bloodskull Williams is the new joint head of the sales floor with kindly salesperson Scar- Starp Kowalski, a character from some of our previous seasons. Uh, they have been uh, told that they need to bring down any available intern to the sales floor because Jackson needs more fodder for the endless battle of salesmanship. Uh, they are assigned to bring down Lugash, the Orkish intern, uh, who they bring down, but when they get down there, they discover that there is an endless battle going on for floor space. Between Starp, Starp Kowalski and his veteran Grey Guard, a group of older employees who maintain a uh, sort of more casual atmosphere in their half of the office versus Jackson Bloodskull Williams corporate raiders, a bunch of orcs, hobgoblins, goblins and bugbears uh, who have a very Wolf of Wall Street atmosphere going on on their side of the room. Uh, they are offered a choice to where to take Lugosh, so they sneak Lugosh over to the Starp side where he can live as part of the peaceful uh, sales force rather than the Chaos Club. <laughs> um, they then get wind of a, uh, of a of a scheme by Jackson to let some of Starp's employees go via targeted firing using the Siege email network. Uh, they set out to kind of dis- disable this siege with the help of a thumb drive given to them by a mysterious goblin named Loro McMorgan, who, uh, giving this to them in exchange for a favor later on. Uh, they sneak over to uh, the where they find out the computers are held in the intern pits controlled by a vicious ogre named Chris, destroyer of interns. It is here that uh, Agnes meets for the first time. Gerby, a character that Agnes willed into existence. <laughs> uh, they wanted a uh, assistant very badly, and so uh, they tried to find one and found a little goblin there that we named Gerby. Uh, they then tried to persuade Gerby to join the party, and Gerby did. They then uh, con- con- convinced Gerby to fight along their side as they defeated Chris, destroyer of interns, and Gerby performed admirably, taking down some of the goblin assistants to this uh, vicious middle manager. They sneak into the office. They've managed to short-circuit the siege using uh, the help of the thumb drive, and they escape, having disabled this thing that might have sent out an email blast firing some of their new friends. Uh, on their way out, they are chased by Jackson Bloodskull Williams, trying to get back Gerby, uh, but they manage to escape and get away, and that concludes that new day. Ooh, I did not mean to rhyme, but I really like that I did. Okay. Hmm. It is now that we have another one of our interludes to the 1960s. Uh, we did a little flash back to a part where the most of the characters weren't metaphorically dead uh, to a, 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 a special mission uh, by the Fayboy crew. Uh, Deb, uh, Tim Tim, and Al are sent to a assignment uh, at the home of a new mind guru in fantasy in the Gold Coast of Fantasy Chicago. No need to fantasy up that Chicago locale. It already sounds fantasy. Uh, they find out that this guy named uh, Johan Gregstein is a uh, sort of psychic and... Uh, um, 
psychic and psychologist, sort of striding the line between mysticism and science, uh, who is uh, doing something very special with uh, a bunch of kind of uh, up-and-comers and movers and shakers in fantasy Chicago, and that is an acid test. It is New Year's Eve, and they're all going to drop acid together. So they don animal masks and set out to uh, do some journalism and get to the bottom of what is going on with Johann Gregstein and to convince a cigarette heiress not to take her ads out of Fayboy magazine. Uh, they managed to be successful in their maneuvers, finding out that Johann Gregstein is a bit of a fraud uh, and that this is less a fun happening and more of a chance for him to get in the heads of uh, big wigs in Chicago. Uh, they uh, He faces off with them and they manage to defeat the sinister Johann Gregstein and before um, succumbing to the effects of the acid, uh, they realize they, they encounter very briefly, Hector Hoffman and a mysterious one-eyed man uh, at his side uh, who, who comes in and uh, congratulates Johann Gregstein, saying that though he failed to defeat, uh, failed to, to get exactly what he wanted, his research is still of great importance. And that is the end of that little uh, that little sidebar. As we start a new day, a day where our characters, the Apple Barrel Gang, as they are going by these days, face some repercussions. It turns out that uh, Jackson Bloodskull Williams was a uh, not keen on them stealing away with one of his interns and has issued a complaint for insubordination. They are all to report to HR while Hobe Shadetree, their manager, faces off in some one-on-one combat against uh, the, the dreaded Jackson Blood Skull Williams. Uh, they go off to, uh, they, they part ways, hoping that Hope will be okay, and go as they are taken by the HR Hunters, a group of monstrous HR employees who seem to delight in dragging people to punishment. Uh, these include, um, Iraq Harrison, uh, a sort of a short-tempered man who quickly turns into a werewolf, uh, a, a, a strange codependent two-headed employee, uh, and a mysterious older man uh, with a binder full of people's secrets known as Tucker Kamen, uh, who appears to them as a mummy. Uh, they head down into the HR department and find out that it is sort of uh, in our world based uh, kind of around a dungeon. It's a, like a torture room uh, where uh, interns and employees who are been insubordinate are being processed uh, by this monster squad. Uh, they find that the, uh, the the efforts are being led by a new head of HR, a man named Greg Gregstein, son of Johann Gregstein, seeking to complete his father's work by creating the perfect employee. Uh, our characters find themselves unwitting participants in his research, his mad quest, as they are forced to do some HR training, uh, which they mostly succeed in accomplishing, only to find out that perhaps doing their best was doing their worst as their research seems uh, their their information they provide seems to sap their strength and help Dr. Gregstein with whatever his nefarious scheme might be. Uh, they are then sent into the paperwork pit to slave away over some paperwork and manage to escape before the people, the ghoulish employees in that in, thing, overwhelm them with the powerful smell of their egg salad lunches. Uh, they grab Gerby from the paper pit as well and they head out. Uh, after that... They take a little, uh, they take a little interlude to get some lunch, and then go back up, and then encounter Laura McMorgan, that mysterious goblin with a thumb drive, uh, who wants a favor for uh, her gift. Uh, they kind of uh, blow her off, which seems to make her very angry. They then head upstairs to discover that it is Tracy Vista's going away party. She has gotten the job by Gemstone Designs, and Linda Draconis, uh, as always, demands that she starts immediately. Uh, Tori is now Tori Mercida is taking over the marketing department, and everyone's celebrating a 
little bit. Speaking of celebrating, our characters get to celebrate as Hobe Shade Tree emerges triumphant, having defeated Jackson Blood Skull Williams in one-on-one combat uh, uh, by turning into the bargaining bear using one of his uh, HR wild puppet shapes. Uh, they celebrate with Joni Hoffman himself by taking everyone, and Tracy Vista included, out to a night of drinks at Horseplay, a bar owned by Joni Hoffman's father. Uh, they arrive here at the uh, bar and discover something, two things very interesting. One, Jackson Bloodskull Williams is fucking with Hope. He let him win on purpose so that he could get closer to the Special Projects Division and is now suggesting that he add his own members to the Special Projects Division, namely Daniel uh, Drakowitz, Beardkowski, Tori, and Rory. Together, they form their own uh, adventuring group, uh, quickly known as the Heroic Herd. Uh, at Horseplay, a arcade bar, they show down with Heroic Herd over some friendly competition while they notice Joni Hoffman is having an argument with his father, Horatio Hoffman, in the corner. Uh, they are ma- they are triumphant over the heroic herd. Uh, not that it was it was a pretty friendly competition playing video games, and uh, they uh, they head home and arrive the next day to discover that yeah now they're kind of stuck with these new uh, these new helpers, and that they are going to be part of uh, their adventures. And in particular, the finding of the marketing pictures. Uh, they sent out uh, Dan- Daniel and uh, Daniel and uh, Burkowski to find the images, and then uh, they kind of let the Apple Barrel Gang to their own devices. So they immediately decide to divide and conquer. Um, Broob, uh, Agnes, and Gerby head out to find the pictures after they find out the photographer might be doing some photos in Ancient Century Park, our version of Millennial Park, uh, while Maxwell and Stuart head down to do some IT work, installing some uh, software supplying, software ordering uh, software, sorry, supply ordering software on the computer of an employee down on the sales floor, Marie uh, Manuel Cortez. Uh, they get down there to discover that Manuel Cortez, uh, represented in our game by a, min- a manticore, viciously guards his supply room and does not like change or technology. Uh, they make a deal with him to uh, get sol- <laughs> the old version of Solitaire installed on his computer in exchange for them installing the new software. Uh, with the help of a mysterious uh, voice, uh, sorry, mysterious texture from the IT department, they are successful in installing the game from coolgames.gov, but not without almost dying, uh, or almost, uh, sorry, having a breakdown to the vicious attacks of this very grumpy elderly employee. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, St- um, uh, Agnes. Gerby and uh, Broob have quite the adventure uh, in running into a rainstorm to try to find this mysterious photographer and ducking into a CVS cures vitamins and swords to find something to shield them from the rain. Uh, they end up uh, they finding out that there's a very some very clingy uh, um, employees there and they battle their way through to get some garbage bags which they then steal and make their way to the park. Uh, they encounter there uh, the storm giant photographer Stevie Smoothstone taking pictures of the coming storm and convince him to give them the pictures before and, and, and narrowly dodge Daniel Drakowitz and Beardkowski there on that mission. They make their way back where they encounter Thaddeus Warman, the other new member of Heroic Herd. Um, 
I should have said something about him earlier, but I'm juggling a lot of different thoughts in my head right now. So I'll now tell you about Thaddeus, who's been emerging as one of our new show villains. Uh, he is the best friend of Jackson Blood Skull Williams, uh, and he is uh, definitely, a, seemingly a great adherent of this mysterious blue eye organization. He even has a tattoo upon it on his of it on his arm, and has much stronger ideals of following it as, than um, uh, the other characters we've met so far that bear the mark of the blue eye. Uh, when they go back to the office, Gerby, Agnes, and Brube are encountered uh, encounter Thaddeus down in the lobby as he's waiting for them with sandwiches in tow. He invites them to have lunch with them, and uh, then he tells them that they are welcome to join in the organization and explains that the cult of the blue eye is a business uh, society and that welcomes that brings in young business, uh, business people uh, and workers of all stripes uh, so that uh, they can pool their resources and work together. Uh, that is kind of all that he offers, but he says that it can gr- bring you great power, basically. Uh, most of the characters refuse outright uh, with Brube and uh, Gerby. Brube refuses outright, but Gerby and Agnes pocket the cards, maybe deciding to look into it later. From here, our characters actually have a little bit of uh, office downtime where they take care of some private business. Uh, uh, some of them go to take the pictures to Tori. Some of them have their lunch with Thaddeus. And some of them uh, do a little exploring of the office and uh, looking into uh, the books that they have. Agnes, in particular, takes a look at the book that she has been ge- that she found in the records department. A book that has been very slowly starting to give her hints about how to be a better conversational fighter. This book is called um, How to Talk to Anyone. And within its margins are notes written by none other than Al Buchanan. And so she starts to become, in our game, a warlock, her patron being the memory of the cool put-downs and fashion tips left by this 60s playboy, seemingly. Um, she takes a look at the book with the help of Stuart Skellington, the uh, bartender Lich, and uh, gains a little more insight um, that will come in handy later. All the other characters kind of go about their business, and they come back together to discover something uh, very interesting. Uh, that Joni Hoffman is in a foul mood. The fight from it with his dad seemingly is related to their connection with the cult of the Blue Eye and uh, some of the uh, the money behind it. Uh, part of uh, a company called H&H business solutions. Uh, Joni Hoffman is sick of seeing anything related to this H&H business solutions and asked them to destroy three uh, to, to destroy some books from his shelf. Uh, the books are a bunch of guides, business guides uh, by H&H business solutions. One of them uh, being another copy of how to talk to anyone, the book that Agnes possesses. Uh, she tell, he, they tell, he tells them to destroy those books and to put away a portrait that he has of him, his father Horatio and Hector Hoffman, the menacing centaur, centaur CEO. Um, all this, all the, all the Hoffmans are centaurs. I'm kind of doing a good job at remembering to name all of the fantasy races, but I'm also not doing a great job at it. I'm trying my best here, folks. <laughs> okay. So they go down and decide that they're going to, uh, put away the photo as they were told but they're not going to destroy the books. And as Maxwell is taking a look at one of the, the picture that he, they gave him, they, he finds a note on the back of it, a phone number and decides 
out of curiosity to give it a call. He gives it a call and is immediately connected with a very aggressive man uh, who who asks who he is and why he would call this number. Uh, he has a weird tense conversation and hangs up. Uh, they hide the picture and they discover that some of the tasks that Brube had been doing today, uh, connected, reconnecting connecting with Tori, cleaning up her desk and such, was all related to Brube's decision to leave the party. Brube has decided that uh, being a former kid detective who got a uh, was given the mayorship to a city, she should probably actually go lead that city. Also, we find out that her oh we've had find out previously in an episode that uh, her husband is a famous novelist, so really she doesn't have to do any of the things she's been doing. Doing. So she flies away with her pelican in tow, and we we lose our dear Brew. But gain in that moment, Tori Mercida, who joins the party as our new rogue, our rogue marketing assistant manager. Uh, they decide to celebrate with a little bar trivia, uh, where they um, seek to once again defeat the heroic herd in a game of friendly competition. They are successful and even defeat a mind flayer at trivia, uh, and uh, and over the course of which uh, uh, Maxwell gets a phone call from that number he called. It turns out that it was a business hotline uh, and by calling it, he has set up a consultation. Uh, he is supposed to meet the next day at a sushi restaurant near NPC Inc. to discuss his consultation. Uh, and that is it for our uh, that is it for our Thursday. And thus begins our long awaited Friday. This is where a lot of our adventures for the la- this, these last seasons all come to a head, and uh, so uh, here's what happens. Uh, they arrive the next day to find out that um, um, yeah, the things are tense around the office. Uh, the blue eye is now is not, no longer as popular, uh, that Tori is a member of the club, and that Joni Hoffman is not keen that that is true. Uh, she gets demoted back down to being interim manager as a new manager is being selected, and uh, the rest of her group sets up uh, working on some tasks given to them by Hobe, and now the ingrained within the special projects department, uh, Thaddeus Warman, this mysterious hobgoblin devotee of the blue eye. Uh, they set out to uh, throw a birthday party that turns out to be for none other than Laura McMorgan down on the sales floor. They meet up with Gerby, who is helping get a little subterfuge going with the goblins and successfully throw a party that's good enough to make Laura once again say that they're her friends. Uh, but what she truly wants is a mystery, though it seems to be related to being part of Agnes's band, uh, as she's now started uh, sleeping with Brant Beardkowski, their drummer. Uh, they successfully manage that, and uh, we take a uh, we, we take another interlude as our characters head to lunch. Maxwell to his uh, his uh, consultation with the mysterious Blue Eye organization. Uh, we take one, uh, uh, another uh, take ba- another look back into the '60s. This time past the events of the firings of Al and Tim. Uh, this is now, it's 1965 in this world, and a lot of things have changed. Uh, Al is now much more underpowered, having uh, been fired from his job, and Tim has reclassed as a uh, rogue, uh, becoming a traveling novelist. Uh, they uh, uh, and also the and Deb Hammer is uh, now still working as purely an office manager, but retains her interest in photography and is currently dating a charming yet boorish ogre named Stan Car Dealership. Uh, they're on their way to uh, the the estate, the lakeside estate of the Chaos family, Carla Chaos in particular, uh, who is the sort of patron of Al Buchanan, his longtime girlfriend who he met in college and is from a wealthy family and consistently hooks hooks him up. 
with business connections and financial support. Uh, we find out over the course of this these episodes uh, that uh, this is a very tense moment for Al because the expectation of Al's presence at this beach house is that he's going to propose to Carla Chaos, a thing that Al finds himself very conflicted about as we've learned that Al is actually uh, a closeted gay man and that he is not um, he, he doesn't know what to do with the idea of marrying of someone that he doesn't necessarily f- have feelings for uh, or his feelings are more complex than he can put into words um, uh, this becomes a very complicated episode for poor Al and uh, uh, the guy who plays him Eric Morrison did a great job uh, and uh, they, they, they managed to survive a difficult weekend of aggressive uh, of aggressive hippies taking over their shore stoner dragons on long distant dunes and a very tense dance that ends with Al saying that he can't be the man that Carla wants him to be he severs the tie with his uh, with his patron and is no longer a warlock disappearing into well, it's the next day. He just gets a ride back home to Fantasy Chicago. Uh, Deb becomes increased more, more bitter, also breaking up with Stan uh, car dealership, and gains a bond with the mysterious Carla Chaos, the heiress to the Chaos Industries fortune. And that kicks us back into midday on our Friday, as our characters wrap up their birthday party for Laura McMorgan and set out on their uh, their their lunch quests. Maxwell going to go find this sushi restaurant. He arrives to find that the mysterious Mister Holder has set up a little bit of a puzzle for him. Uh, there are four different businessmen at different tables in the restaurant, and he is supposed to pick which one is Mister Holder. He tries and fails to figure out which one is the mysterious Mr. Holder instead sitting at the at the table with Felix Fox, Mr. Holder's attorney, who offers him a a stick and carrot approach. Uh, Maxwell owes a Maxwell owes a $10,000 fee for his consultation, but the fee will be waived so long as he does a favor for Mr. Holder. Mr. Holder, he explains that Hoffman and the H&H Business Solutions is Hoffman and Holder, two companies that have worked in tandem for years, and now uh, Joni Hoffman's distrust of Mr. Holder's business practices threatens that bond. He is to make sure Joni Hoffman re-understands the importance of the blue eye. Uh, he sets off on that uh, on that thing and encounters uh, two allies, uh, being namely uh, Tori and Thaddeus, who are both members of the club, and runs back into everyone else who's there hanging out in Joni's Hoffman office with his adventuring party, a group known as the Hoffman Stampede, some extremely high-level adventuring CEOs. They all set out for Agnes's concert, the long-awaited concert at the Dragon known as Lincoln Hall. They... Uh, they go. They all go about their separate ways for a short rest, where our characters all do some incredibly intense personal business. Uh, Stuart dyes his hair to fit in better at the punk show. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Tori tries to rob a liquor store near her house to feel something, and uh, of course, uh, and Maxwell breaks up with his girlfriend, uh, Shady Landsnake, feeling that the people in his life will be at danger should he fail his task and have to pay this exorbitant fee to this mega corporation. Uh, they reunite at the at a bar to meet up with Joni and his crew, while Agnes, Gerby, and the rest of Satanic Panic, Hobe, uh, and Birkowski go to meet Reagan Longsocks at the dragon known as 
Lincoln Hall. They arrive, finding that Reagan's nervous, and they end up in a battle with them to put them back in their place and convince them they shouldn't be the new lead singer, while the rest take on some uh, some aggressively friendly Canadians at a country music bar where Joni Hoffman likes to drink. They discover this was all Joni's ploy so that he could have a private conversation with his adventuring party, and uh, they manage to sneak in enough to realize that it's a letter that involves this uh, deal being made that is on Joni's person. Uh, Maxwell and his uh, group of blue eyes immediately seek to uh, to steal that letter as they head to the concert proper. Okay, this is where it gets really crazy, folks. They arrive at the concert... <laughs> And uh, Maxwell has a sudden change of heart, deciding instead that he wants to tell Joni Hoffman exactly what's happening. He uh, he find, and he seeks to go find Joni Hoffman while Tori and Stewart are distracted doing fun party stuff at Lincoln Hall. Having defeated Reagan, uh, 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 Agnes sets out to uh, get ready for the show and bumps into Laura McMorgan trying to sneak backstage to be their new uh, uh, soy bomb onstage dancing groupie. Uh, she refuses to let her do that and instead makes another deal with this mysterious goblin um, uh, for a favor to be given later. Uh, she also runs into her uh, to, to Deborah Storybrooke, who never misses a rock concert, and this time has a friend in tow. Al Buchanan, now a much older man and now no longer a powerful business executive like he was. Now just a humble man living out his life in, ups- in, uh, in Upper Illinois. Um uh, which I will sorry sorry Upper Wisconsin. Uh, they they uh, they have a weird connection. They find uh, Agnes finds out that her patron, this mysterious figure that she had read so much about in her book How to Talk to Anyone, was in fact just like a. A kind of a normal guy, just a normal guy, uh, much to her disappointment. Uh, she sets out the show a little freaked out, and uh, they uh, the concert begins uh, as as Maxwell betrays the blue eye to Joni Hoffman. Joni Hoffman uh, thanks him for giving this, but tells him he can never tell anyone what he did, otherwise it would violate the non-disclosure agreement that Maxwell probably signed because he didn't read the concert, the contract, the goof. Uh, he tells him to grab as many people as he wants to off the thing because anyone left behind will be pulled into the large argument that was about to ensue between um uh, uh between uh Joni and uh now that he's found uh, his b- a betrayer in his midst uh Alan Bloodskull the lawyer who he knows to be part of the blue eye uh so they escape and manage to go and get down to the concert where the uh, concert begins anew this time they face off against an even larger even rowdier crowd of uh, of a uh, kind of confused heavy metal fans who came for the Kralvin Heaven show and are confused to see why there is a folk punk band playing uh they manage to win them over with some very great performance roles and some help from all their friends shouting from the crowd and Al Buchanan giving some words of encouragement from far away uh and uh, the show is once again a success. Uh, they all head out, uh, wondering what has happened to MPC Inc. after Maxwell's actions that he told none of the other party members out about. And they toast with some shots, uh, scrape Gerby off the floor from his attempt to jump into a mosh pit. And uh, Agnes heads to the back to grab her stuff, only to run into... Mama Storybrooke, who reveals to her that the entire thing of the the patron that she sees within the pages of the cool book is in fact the machinations of Carla Chaos, who is there at the concert, now also a much older woman. But still as sharp and cool as ever, having turned her portion of the of the chaos fortune into Chaos Records, a very respected record label. We end our last season with Agnes being offered the ultimate deal. 
a record deal for Satanic Panic. And that is, and now you are caught up with desks and day jobs. That is our story so far. I hope that this wasn't too exhausting for me to just rant this to you. But again, I promised that I would give you the experience of me cornering you in a bar, and I've now had a big whiskey over the course of me doing this, so I know that I've gotten the appropriate buzzed ranting on. So at least we can appreciate the authenticity, right? <laughs> well, thank you so much if you made it this far for listening. And if you skipped ahead to our C2E2 live show, I do not blame you. And also, I really hope you enjoy it. I again want to thank Chuck and everyone who invited us for Podcast Central for letting us be a part of this very fun live experience and to C2E2 for letting this booth be loudly broadcasting fun live podcasts for an entire weekend. I know we had a great time and I saw a lot of other people having a wonderful time, even as they strolled by and just peeked in on the chaos. Uh, So I hope that this has been a useful guide into getting into Destin Day Jobs. And I hope that you enjoy our past seasons and our current season. The first episode just launched yesterday. And so I hope you follow along. We release episodes every other week. So the next one will be in two Wednesdays from now. Sorry, one Wednesday. Wait, two went. I've confused myself with days of the week. As you'll learn on Desk and Day Jobs, none of us are particularly good at simple math. Uh, okay. I'm going to let you get to our live episode, but I don't want to t- jump in in the end with some with some show business, so instead I'll do it here. If you liked or even enjoyed slightly this show, feel free to rate, review, subscribe, share, and encourage your friends to do the same. I know it's a pain in the butt to do those things, but every time you do, it helps us uh, share our story with other people who might be interested and connect to audiences all across the internet you know so as much as it's a pain please give us those ratings and reviews uh we really appreciate whenever we get one it really uh it's really a good feeling (laughs) so uh thanks for listening i hope you enjoy destined day jobs welcome to destined day jobs hoffman chronicles volume two and live from c2e2 Central here at C2E2 2020 here in beautiful <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. Uh, it's me, your uh, district manager, Hobart, here with another episode of Destin Day Jobs in front of a bunch of strangers Hello, strolling strangers. by. This is very exciting. <laughs> this is easily our most exciting place we've ever recorded an episode because usually we record in Spencer's living room. Yeah. So, all right, let's and have some strangers fun, there too, but they're not nearly as handsome. Ah. It's true. It's true. It's, it's and we have, we have the whole gang here at 
the booth, and uh, we're going to be doing a little live uh, one-shot kind of uh, not canon story for everyone today. Or maybe we'll become canon if it's, it's fun. Canon. Yeah, it's oh, it is. So thank you for joining us on Critical Role. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> okay. We, we, we can't, oh, we always declare ourselves another more popular Welcome to TV The Adventure Zone. <laughs> I'm Luke LaBailor, and I'll be well, Welcome to This American Life. Uh, that's a D&D podcast, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Speaking of I, This American Life, uh, here at uh, Destin Day Jobs, we play D&D uh, 5e, but we play it with a different set of rules that we wrote ourselves, for the most part, uh, to translate over the world D&D over to the mundane realm of uh, life in an office building. So we follow the adventures of uh, four co-workers, five co-workers seated around me, uh, and uh, today... They are on a very special mission. But before we get to that mission, let's introduce the cast, shall we? Yeah. You, start. I'll start. Hi, uh, my name is Spencer D. Blair, and I'm going to be playing uh, Stuart D. Beacon. And he is your uh, half-elf wizard. Uh, he is also sometimes a werewolf. And uh, he is your IT person. Thank you. Well, hi, everybody. Um, my name is Gwen Hope. I'm playing Tori Mercida, who's a tabaxi rogue and your assistant manager. So, uh... <laughs> Wink. <laughs> What's up? My name is Liz Getty. I play Agnes Hellman, the very cool punk rock former accountant and now special projects. Cool person. Uh, she's based off of a tiefling bard and warlock. Ooh. Ooh. Hi, everybody. Multi-class action. I'm Brandon Kirkman. I play Matthias Maxwell, a very great character for this episode because he loves anime and conventions. <laughs> He's also a salesperson now on special projects. It's also a tabaxi, which is a cat person, sorcerer, but in the office world, a real piece of shit. <laughs> Yes, uh, Maxwell is uh, famously our critical role, uh, critical, uh, uh, critical one of a character. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just, uh, just our, our total failure boy. Okay, so, and I uh, also play a character uh, named Gerby Richardson, a goblin intern who works for Agnes. Uh, and uh, speaking Gerby, of Gerby, he's Gerby, extremely excited. Oh, God, Gerby, the fucking chanting. It's always the Gerby, chanting. Gerby, oh, Gerby, 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 Gerby. And now we and now we need another uh, moment so I can calm down. Uh, no, okay. we're jumping right in. Guys, wait, it's Brian Prosek. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? <laughs> Pull yourselves no. together, everybody. Okay, so here we go. So today's adventure takes place at the popular uh, comic and video game and everything exposition uh, here in Fantasy Chicago, where our stories are set. F1C2E2. Ah. Uh, that's right. It's the fantasy comic and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Blah blah blah. Uh, anyway, before days before this all transpired, Stuart D. Beacon receives an email to his. Computer and phone, I guess. It is from your old pal, uh, a retired adventurer from this party, uh, Orlando Jordan. Oh. Uh, Orlando Jordan was uh, one of the uh, middle managers at the company and retired because he was like 85 years old. And also because Richie moved to New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he sent you an email, as we all know, for I'm some reason. That he figured out how to use the email, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real surprise. And it's very poorly formatted. Yeah. But it basically forward, conveys forward, to forward. you that. Uh, uh, he, uh, as we have established in canon, is 
dear friends with George Clooney. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the George Clooney. Sometimes we let characters write their own backstories, and this is what happens. Uh, and uh, he has gotten you and any amount of friends that you would like to bring, which you decide are going to be the people seated around this table. I did decide uh, that. Are uh, given a gift, uh, like a, a pass for a meet and greet with George Clooney at F1C2E2. Oh. Yeah. So now is the day. Uh, you're all really excited, especially Gerby's excited because, as you all know, uh, George Clooney played uh, a, a Brooks Wings in the Bat Goblin, one of the Bat Goblin films. Uh, this is I wrote an entire narrative for all the a parody version of Batman called Bat Goblin, and uh, he's in Bat Goblin Four: Revenge of the Choker. <laughs> That's a parody of Superman, right? Oh, no. Uh, no, no. The, 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 yeah. Oh, nice. Your mother's name is Martha, too? <laughs> uh, it's Blartha in Blartha, this universe. Yeah. Uh, everything's just a little goblin-y. Uh, so uh, I would like to now just give you a brief overview of the series. Here we go. So Batgoblin 1, rogue billionaire Brooks Wings uses alter ego Batgoblin to strike fear into the hearts of criminals in Goth City. He does this not to avenge his parents because they're not dead, but just to prove to them that he's fucking better than them. Uh, he faces off with the villain, the Choker, and once again uh, and saves the day. Then it was Bat Goblin again. Bat Goblin is back. The hero of Go Goth City has uh, is on the case when an armored dandy calling himself the Pangolin uh, declares himself Goth City's newest hero. Perhaps, perhaps shadowy thief Catchwoman will help him catch the Pangolin. Catchwoman. Or maybe Catchwoman's there to catch Bat Goblin. Whoa. The third film was Bat Goblin Triumphant. Girdle me this, Bat Goblin. Girdle? Yeah, the, the, girdles me this. The, the girdler, the girdler has Goth City in his rib-binding grasp. Can Bat Goblin save the day, or will he and his new partner, Goblin, be squeezed <laughs> out? Uh, will he be able to shake his old friend Harvard Dance out of his new evil persona of Blueface, the Cruelian creator of chaos, the Azure asshole, or has he lost his old ally forever? At this point, the series really starts to fall apart, and everyone starts to wonder why the villains have. So many uh, light bondage themes. Yeah. Um, do they have nipples yeah. on their suits? <laughs> uh, that's that is Batgoblin Four. The I Bruce, do. <laughs> uh, the the uh, the, uh, the George Clooney uh, uh, entry to the franchise, widely regarded as the worst of the series. The Choker comes back to life after his brother, the Girdler, makes a wish to bring him back to the from the dead. Classic. There's way too many villains in this one, including an ice villain everyone calls Trevor and Bor <laughs> and Borson Chivey, a villain based uh, with a direct brand tie-in with the popular herbed soft French cheese. Oh, nice. uh, the film was widely reviled for its over-the-top camp aggressive product placement and the decision to have Batgoblin and Goblin not wear shirts for half of the film after they lose a shirts v. skins toss I will to say, the Joker. that is my favorite film. That is my favorite yeah. one. Yeah, well, that's also <laughs> Gerby's favorite. He is so goddamn mm. excited to meet George Clooney. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I uh, uh, I wish that Christopher Nolan was here. Yes, yes, oh yes. Boy. He did a series. My he's a Noel. He that's very good. I like that. That's <laughs> even better you. than what I had. I thought I'm about that it. all night. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> all night. Rock yourself. I, I wanted to, to come up with one. Yeah, you, you're pun. you're aware that there's also the Christopher Nolan uh, back albums. They were three much more gritty films. They yeah. are not represented here at the this uh, in this episode. There's also a film a lot of people like to talk about called uh, the Regicide Squad. Uh, a group <laughs> of uh, former supervillains are sent to kill an evil king in Luxembourg. Uh, Jared Leto played an e-boy version of the Choker that was widely mocked. Uh, but <laughs> you're all. <laughs> Did he have a 
tattoo on his forehead that said roll for damage? Yeah, yeah, it did. God, you guys are writing better jokes than I wrote. Thank Damn you. it. <laughs> Stop doing that. You're making me look bad in front of all the people. Uh, okay. I'm here for the riffs, baby. And then there's the Joaquin Phoenix one, which is a phoenix. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Joaquin Phoenix uh, did play the Choker in the, uh, the movie that revitalized the character, uh, which is why, as you all enter F1C2E2, you see a lot of people wearing the familiar beige suit, dyed blue hair, and yellow gloves of the Choker. And they're all dancing down a staircase. Yes, yeah, so there's, a, there's a lot of dancing going on. It's very fun. <laughs> it's very great. Is Gary Glitter as evil in this universe? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, that's canon in all universes. Okay, uh, sure. uh, th- but the, the song he dances to is rock and roll number three. <laughs> okay, oh, that's good. Okay. Uh, that's good. Uh, as you stand outside F1C2E2, uh, a Gerby is there in uh, a Goblin outfit, a uh, little kind of onesie, <laughs> like a, a, a blue and yellow onesie. Uh, and uh, he's very excited. And he says, oh, I can't wait to meet George Clooney. Me neither, uh, a Gerby. Are you guys all wearing cosplay? Walking up, Maxwell, dressed in a perfect ornate blue face costume, paid thousands of dollars for online. <laughs> he's like, Gerby. Oh. Wow, Maxwell, you look great! Puts his fist out to a real one. Oh, hell yeah! I'm not in cosplay, but Agnes is wearing a very cool vintage Batgoblin shirt. Oh, that's pretty tight. Cool. It's cool. It's very uh, cool. I would say Tori is definitely wearing um, full white leather and then uh, and an orange wig to cosplay as a cigarette. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I love it. Love it. Smoking. Uh, they, they are featured in the Bat Goblin series, uh, technically. So, yeah, we've got it. Stuart has uh, shown up wearing his normal garb, which is a tie and nice pants. Nice. And uh, But he is wearing his Newsies cap of disguise, mm-hmm. and uh, he's put a Bat Goblin logo on the front of it, so he's uh, fitting in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I want you to make a performance check on that one. You got it. Uh, performance? That is a 10. <laughs> okay, uh, so everyone but Stuart, your uh, your cosplay is enough that it uh, your AC will remain normal for this episode. Stuart, yeah. go ahead and remove two from your AC for the oh. for temporary. And I know since you're a wizard, your AC is already pretty chill already, folks. <laughs> so, all right, so you guys uh, you guys wander through uh, the C2E2 F1C2E2, uh, <laughs> seeing all the awesome cosplays all around. You see a lot of fun characters, a lot of a lot of people having a real blast. So you make your way to the very back of the expansive McCormick Place. But in a fantasy realm, Ooh. I could not think of a funny uh, fantasy McCormick place. If anyone has one they want to shout out, just do it. It's cool. Take um, your time. Yeah, yeah think Any about point. it. Really. And it's gonna be, that's going to be the button on the episode if someone says, I have it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you, uh, you all head back to where there are the meet and greets with celebrities. Oh. You all have this email that has promised you access to George Clooney, and you get in line. Do you have any questions uh, as you uh, before you uh, kind of do oh, this? Oh, Maxwell's waiting in the line for Lon Chaney. For, uh, you're, for Lon, Lon Chaney, the not dead silent <laughs> film star. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, no, you're not, Lon Chaney's not there. I'm sorry. Lon Chaney, Jr., Jr. Uh, Maybe a perception check, okay. Maxwell, since you're going to start scoping out the other celebrities. Ooh, that's going to be a 16. A 16, nice. Uh, you see uh, that uh, the, there's a lot of very long lines. There's a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, characters from uh, the the more the much more popular um, Marvelous series of films. <laughs> uh, and well, uh, I, do, I think those movies, those Marvelous movies, they are miss? great. Oh. 
<laughs> nice. All right, cool. Thank you. <laughs> you remembered at the very last moment that we are sponsored by Disney. That's yeah. not true, but <laughs> I love Star Wars we too. Just, we, we love we love joking about the most litigious company on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you all are there. The line stretches on and on, winding around a maze of whatever you call those rope barrier things. I could not remember what they were called. What? Stanchions. 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 Oh, stanchions? Stanchions. I never would have guessed that. Okay, so you wind your way through the maze of stanchions. There's people ahead of you all dressed in Bat Goblin cosplay, all waiting for their turn to shake the hand of one George Clooney. Uh, Agnes, as soon as she walks in to F2, E2, C2, uh, casts <laughs> Poker Face, which is Mage Armor. Cool. Very good. Okay. Very good. Smart move. Smart move. Uh, you all, uh, you guys, like approach the line. Uh, the line is stretching on and on. You wait for seeming hours, eons pass, ages rise and fall, and uh, you finally uh, kind of reach to the front of the line. Here, uh, when you get to the front of the line, what you see is that uh, uh, there, there is just a couple people left. There's in front of you four people, all of them dressed like the various versions of the Choker. Uh, suddenly, a uh, a security guard approaches you. Uh, huh. uh, she is large and imposing, and appears to you all as a minotaur. Uh, she nods at everybody and uh, makes an announcement, putting up her hand to get everyone's attention. And she says, uh, "I'm sorry, George Clooney isn't feeling very well. We're going to have to cut the line short. We're only going to be taking the next five people in line." <gasps> And there were only Hell. four people ahead of us? There, yes. Okay, I step to the front of our group. <laughs> uh, and uh, immediately you feel a tug on the back of your uh, uh, your like shirt, and you look back, and it's Kirby like, no, you don't, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I got the email, you also son of a bitch. But this means more to me. You didn't even dress up. You Wait. just put a sticker on your hat. Yeah, it's a good sticker, though. I paid 50 cents for this. And you ruined the sticker by putting it on the hat. Everyone knows you should no, store I your stickers No, I ruined the hat by putting the sticker books. on it. Okay, buddy? Then Maxwell puts his hands on both of you and says, why are you two arguing? Let's fuck over these nerds. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, um, I would it. like to uh, cast false likes and give myself uh, some temporary hit points. Okay. Uh, uh, so that's uh, six additional hit points. Okay, cool. Anyone else want to do something? Uh, so who's standing in front of us? Uh, it's four people dressed as various versions of the Choker. You see one dressed as uh, 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 Jack Nicholson's version of the Choker. Cool. Uh, decidedly gangster flair about his outfit. You see a uh, grim and gritty Choker, uh, played by Heath Ledger in one of the Christopher Nolan films, yeah. uh, who's actually pretty spooky. Uh, you see a Jared Leto Joker, surprisingly, uh, and he's just a mess to look at. Uh, yeah. And then you see, uh, of course, a Joaquin Phoenix version mm -hmm. of the Choker with the sort of more 70s style of the beige suit and blue hair. Is he holding uh, an Oscar in his arm? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He's holding an Oscar. I'm going to I'm going to tell you guys, uh, I'm not too worried about the Jared Leto one. Let's get the Jared Leto yeah. one. I think I, I think we can save him for last. I think we should focus all of our efforts on the others. Can I Okay, so here's what Maxwell wants to do. Yes. Can he ta can he can he tap the Jared Leto Joker on the on the Sure. Side? He's like, "Hey, I heard they're doing a pop-up 30 seconds to Mars band show here later." <laughs> Roll me a persuasion check. Oh, baby. Or, oh, no. I'm sorry. I would also make that a deception because then I real I remembered that that's not true. So. Okay. Also, before, I'm going to say, since I'm doing a different roll, I'm going to re-roll that. Uh, but oh, also, yeah? I'm, okay, no, fine. I'll keep it. Also, I'm going to set the Wii brooch I have, which is a anime brooch that I can set to different settings. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to set it to the villain setting, so I get plus one attack and plus one intimidate. Roll, do another roll because I did. Uh, I did take back my my call okay, on the roll. Thank so you, I'm being sir. Nice. 
And do one more just oh. for And fun. it's worse. It's, it's much worse. worse. That's it's much a six. Worse. That's a six. Okay, so this choker turns to you and faces you, and uh, he, uh, he, he his, his eyebrow arches in that sort of Jared Leto way that's his only Ugh. acting move. And uh, he, he says, that's not true. And roll initiative, everybody. It's important that we all hum discordantly during all of our initiative <laughs> yeah. rolls. We, we cut all that. Usually, we cut it out of the podcast. But it's important as part of the live process. Yeah, yeah. So if you all out there want to vamp a little bit, really, yeah, really, really, this is not something that we we plan for. Yeah, I know. I'm rolling well already. Okay. Luckily, though, that is that is that was Gerby's roll, not Joker's roll. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we got for Gerby. Gerby's got us 21. Ooh. Uh, choker, Ooh, the Gerbo. Jared Leto Choker, Ooh, oh, gets Jesus. a 19. Oh, uh, dang. Uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Choker gets a 15. I don't want to play unless I win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you're right. You're Next right. Next, we'll get a 14 altogether. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, I still got two Chokers left. Dang it. Uh, that's a one, so uh, the, uh, the uh, like uh, Heath Ledger <laughs> one is uh, uh, not doing great. Um with and a there's Heath Ledger. Three, yeah. uh, and uh, oh, <laughs> uh, and our Jack Nicholson Joker gets a nine. Okay, so what has everyone got? Who's got above a twenty? Nope. No. Is Gerby is first appropriately Gerby. because he loves Gerby. 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 Okay. All right. Gerby. But, uh, who's next? Twenty to fifteen. What you got? <laughs> nope. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, wow. Really? Really? Nobody? Okay, so then that is most of the chokers. We have Jared Leto. We're all too busy about thinking about uh, the track of Bat Dance from the original uh, Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone loves that. Yeah. <laughs> Roll for dance. Uh, okay. And uh, who's got between a 15 and a 10? 12. Okay. What, 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 what are they? I got a 12. You got a 12, too? 12. You got a what? 15? 14. 14? 10. Okay. So we got a, we, we're going to do uh, Maxwell. Okay. We got a Maxwell. We got uh, a Agnes. We have a Stuart. And we have a uh, Tory. Okay, we have, and then we have our our poor uh, Heath Ledger uh, choker. Oh. Uh, bring it in the rear. Yeah, bring it in the rear. But the the, the arguably the best choker, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he's the one who should finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so immediately, Gerby launches in. Gerby is hip to uh, what you guys have kind of suggested of, uh, as Maxwell put it, wreck these nerds shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he immediately launches in with some shop talk attack. His uh, we 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 fight conversationally on this show. So he's launching in with some small talk, recalling very specific details about the Bat Goblin film series that he loves so much. Oh, no. Oh, nice. I got it, though. Oh, nice. Very good. Uh, so his first attack is a 21. Uh, he's launching that, of course, at the Jared Leto one, since that was the first one he uh, did. Uh, and so he lands that attack and is going to make that damage die. Uh, so that is six damage to the Jared Leto Joker. Take he that, takes, turd. He takes some embarrassment damage from the bluntness of Gerby's comments as he says, do you even like like the fourth one, or are you just like making fun of it? Because I like the fourth one. And he's using his monk's attack to launch a flurry of blows. Uh, his first attack is a 19. I feel like uh, that hits. Yeah, it does hit. Uh, and that is only a three to, uh, so that is only three damage. Uh, and then the next attack is going to be a, uh, that is Bad. a, uh, that's an eight. Uh, so he kind of loses steam. He's like, he's like giving like all these details about. It. He's like, if you look, it's it's actually more of a send up of comic book culture. And um, yeah, 
Someone else want to take this over? Yeah, uh, buddy. Okay, it's, it's, it, now it's Jared Leto Joker's turn. Ooh, Jared I can't Little, wait to crush him. Just Jared Leto Joker uh, lashes out with one of his, uh, he's sort of, he's got this like kind of, uh, the, the, this like a cloying, he's like kind of grasps and pulls you in. The the, the, the the monster is this based on is the Joker, which look it up when you get home. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's real hard on the eyes, real yeah. hard on the eyes. Uh, okay, so uh, this Joker goes oh, after like Gerby and does not hit because that is a five. Uh, he got a five, uh, so he—he is honestly. You hate to see it. Yeah, he's honestly kind of. Um, oh, but he does have. I'm going to actually use his power of nerd intensity to take his action again. They can do that once a day. Hell yeah! Uh, so he launches into a second attack, and that one is also bad. That was a nine. So, uh, so so far, the Jared Leto Joker, much like his actual performance, was <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> less than great. Largely absent from the film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, it is now Joaquin Phoenix's turn. I love that we're just using the name of the actors, yeah, by the way. that's fine by me. Uh, the Joaquin Phoenix actor is going to also attack Gerby. Uh, he got a 12, so no. And, yeah, no, he's just, he's just done. He's just done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maxwell's turn. Maxwell's turn. Going for the Jared Leto Joker right away, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. F focus him down. I'm going to do a good old spot. Spicy observation, which is Firebolt. So okay. I'm just going to be like, oh, I just saw that uh, Rocks of Prey movie, and uh, I don't remember seeing Joker in that at all. Rocks, like the oh, yeah, nice. Rocks. That is yeah. really good. I was trying to think <laughs> of It's a fantasy bird it. in D&D <laughs> a lot. You know, it's just no big deal. I've been playing since middle school. Um, <laughs> and the, the Rock was in <laughs> yeah. it. And Sorry. does a 17 hit. The 17 does indeed hit this all Joker. Right. Do a 1d8 <laughs> of fire damage, which is going to be a... Eight altogether. Uh, tears well in the eyes of the Jared Leto choker as he says, but they might bring him back for the next Bat Goblin film. Oh, you know what? I actually saw it. They had a body double of you. They didn't even want to put you in the <laughs> film. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, I, I truly am damaged. And he leaves. Uh, the Jared Leto choker is gone. It yeah. is now. Uh, Maxwell, anything else you want to do? He was here 30 seconds too long. Um, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna keep doing that. It's a terrible band. Yeah, Listen yeah. to us on Spotify. Yeah, wait, way to get rid of the uh, character who's most easy to joke on. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the other one we have for Jack Nicholson is gonna be pretty easy too. Uh, anyways, yeah, don't don't you want to make it to your four seats at the Lakers? Yeah. <laughs> that is all I can do for my turn. Uh, so I think I will end it there. Okay. Very good. Very cool. Very awesome. Uh, it is now Agnes's turn. Agnes. Agnes. You got three Agnes. chokers left. I am going to cast Listen to Me at a level two, which is Command. Okay. I get to target two creatures and issue them a one-word command. Tight. I'm gonna do Fart. Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to say, get! And that's a DC 16. <laughs> okay, good. so the oh, first I one, wisdom. Get. wisdom. get. Uh, one gets a uh, 10. <laughs> Not he great. gets! <laughs> and one gets a 20. He don't get! Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, get we're going to say, uh, you said uh, the Heath Ledger and the, uh, the, the Jack Nicholson one? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say Heath Ledger, since he got that crit one on his uh, initiative, he's the one who's already feeling a little like he doesn't belong here. Yeah. Also, his costume is just way too good. Again, it's, he's got a great costume. Uh, so he is going to walk away. Really? Okay. Uh -huh. All right, bye, Heath. <laughs> he turns, he's like... Bye. <laughs> That's not my name. It's Brian. Whatever, Heath. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> and he's gone. Uh, he's gone for for not for sake of moving this forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but however, the jack uh, the jack one is uh, is unfazed and still waiting to attack you. Um, so. Um, That's my turn. Okay. Cool. Anyway, uh, it's now it's Stuart's turn. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna turn to the Jack Nicholson. 
Joker. Tight. And I'm going to use a caustic comment, which is my acid arrow attack. Oh, you love that now. I do. Last I three, last three episodes, really he's just been using with it. it. <laughs> and like, oh, maybe it's a good I should spell. use this all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to shoot a caustic comment at him. Okay. Uh, so let me see if it hits first. Oh, that's a 25. Nice. Uh, that does not hit. No, it, it does. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I almost left C2. I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I think it's C2. What? No, no, no. Mm. Oh, hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, there's a Joker walking by as we speak. And if you we, look if, great, if, buddy. if we stop the show every time a Joker walks by, we're... Yeah, I would we'll like to doomed. give that one a then point the of bardic inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're giving one of the Jokers? Or <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's uh, in the rules. That's fine. That's fine. Mark it off on your sheet. That's canon. So I'm going to say I'm gonna shoot a caustic comment at him. Cool. And I'm just going to say, you know, uh, I really prefer the one with the penguin. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a big Danny DeVito fan. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's accepting it. He's just like, he's like, I get it. I mean, the aesthetics are really nice. Uh, and that does 4d4 acid damage. Roll 4d4 acid damage. Yeah, you got it. I'm going to roll two twice. Oh, I got three of them. Hell yeah. Oh, look at that. Uh, that is nine. Very good. Everybody gets to see our fun dice out in the and wild now. And that's 13 damage. 13 damage. Uh, uh, he 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 uh, he sort of says to you with this Jack Nicholson uh, dress choker says to you, he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I I totally understand. Like, yeah, it took a little while for uh, the, you know, then really get the aesthetics. I wasn't and, asking know. for feedback. And he just sort of he says, yeah, 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 and he melts away. Yeah, <laughs> and he's gone. You've 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 destroyed that joke. See, I should have joker. I should have tapped um, his shoulder or his his shoulder first and be like, there's a pop up Lakers game in the back. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the Lakers are doing pitching, a quick pop up uh, game. Doing a quick pop-up thing here. Uh, so, uh, so he is—he is gone. All that is left now is the Joaquin Phoenix Choker. Truly, the most terrifying of all. Yeah, of them. yeah, yeah. Who, who looks at you, a uh, uh, fake cigarette dangling from his mouth, ah. and says, "What about society? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't no, remember any society. Lines, blah blah blah." Uh, okay, so now it is uh, Tori's turn. Oh hey! <laughs> oh, how you doing? Hanging out in the back of the pack? Oh, you know, just wondering if I can smoke in here. <laughs> um. I think I'm going to use... You can't. <laughs> but I think you're going to try anyway. Yeah. For huh? first-time oh, yeah, listeners of this podcast, she tries to smoke in any establishment. <laughs> where she loves and it works inside. sometimes. It does work sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I like to blow it directly down onto my own clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wears absorbent materials yeah. at all right. times. Yeah. If she's not smelling like a grandpa, what is she? What are you doing? Hit this fool. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to use prying questions, I believe, on this last one. Tight, tight. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go ahead and roll that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. We've got an eight. An eight? I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Plus, plus, plus Should seven. I have plus seven. learned? Plus seven. Plus seven. Plus seven. So that's a 15. 15. Yeah, you got him. Hell yeah. Roll some damage. And also, you, uh, that, that, uh, Joaquin Phoenix Choker was attacking Gerby unsuccessfully. So you do get sneak attack. Yes. Ooh. Oh. Well, roll me three d6s to go along with that. Yay. <laughs> one. Nice. Five. Five. Ooh. Eight. Ooh. Eight. Ooh. Give me one more three, baby. Come just on, baby. for the meme. Oh, it's nine. a one. Oh, it's a one. A one. So nine damage. Yeah. Very good. So, uh, yeah, this walkie, what do you say? So your, I see your, uh, question. you're smoking a fake cigarette, huh? You want to <laughs> hang out with the big boys outside? You want to go outside and hang out with the big boys? You can't. Blow it you in wouldn't. his face. Big boys. Make big me, boys. Make me, uh, make me a perception roll. How big is this boy? All right. Actually, actually, this is way more fun. What did what did you roll? I rolled an eight, and then I had plus four. Okay, so he oh. is he is uh thir he is twelve. 
Oh. <laughs> he is 12 years old. 12 years old. He's a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, Make him just smoke. A, just, yeah, a, just a little walking Phoenix choker you're offering cigarettes to. Smoke the whole Make him smoke. Make him play uh, Fortnite. Uh, force him to go I down don't a bad even know pet. who George Clooney is, but I, I hate this kid. <laughs> hate this fucking kid. All right. Uh, anything else you want to do? Actually, I think that's all you can do. So. Nope, that's it. Okay, very that's good. That's it for this bad boy. Very good. In that case, now it is Gerby's turn, and Gerby is going to... Uh, now uh, everyone sort of realized that this is a 12-year-old, but that is not phase Gerby at all. Oh, so no. Comes oh, no. Uh, Gerby's doing some shop talk. Oh, that is a uh, that's a 21 to hit, uh, so it definitely does it. And uh, Let's see if we wreck this child or not. Yeah. Uh, Gerby rolled uh, eight damage, uh, and so Gerby, as he is wont to do, just sort of leans over and whispers something in the kid's ear. The kid bursts into tears and walks away. Oh, <laughs> And that is yeah, it for Kirby. 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 Take that, and he, innocent <laughs> child. And he makes two more tallies for his kills. <laughs> yes. I like that skin. we came to C2E2 to podcast live to beat up a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to and C2E2. Fun everybody. Have fun. All right. Uh, so now you've now made sure that you are the last five people in line by getting rid of everyone else. Uh, and uh, now you're, uh, you're at the front. Uh, at the front, there is uh, a really chill guy. Uh, he has big sort of like Coke bottle glasses on. <laughs> uh, he's looking at stuff really closely. Uh, he appears to you as a Cyclops. Ooh. Oh. Uh, and, and, uh, and he says, uh, may I see your pass? Uh, and, I, yeah. and I pull out my phone and I show him the passes on the phone. And he says, great. Okay. Well, George oh. is uh, right up front. Uh, just go over there and uh, all you got to do is just go and just uh, talk to him. You guys, uh, he looks like you have uh, everyone gets an autograph uh, and then you get one handshake. One handshake. Dibs. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said dibs. No, you can't have dibs. You can't call dibs. Can we um, each have a finger? But, oh, yeah, they're, they're five put a fingers. Finger in George no, Clooney's sorry, hand. sorry, Mr. Clooney's not feeling well, so we have to keep everybody to the 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 touching and signing schedule. Oh, I'm we're not going to even get to kiss him. Okay, Gerby, you shake his hand, but we're all going to hold your hand while you do it. So he, so his energy passes through us. That's the great plan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're gonna 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 grip the third rail of George Clooney. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. So yeah, you've made your agreement that Gerby's going to shake George Clooney's hand, and uh, the rest of you are going to get your autographs. So you guys approach George. George Clooney, as you get closer, you see sitting at the table is indeed actor George Clooney, who wow. since we introduced what as honor. really George Clooney in this universe He's is, truly is George just Clooney. George Clooney. I, no clever t- monster. He's no, a human being. He's George guy. Clooney. He's a he human was on, being. He was on great, ER. Great, great. Uh, but he, he can cast Mage Hand. <laughs> and he uses it for pranks on sets. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, he's known for his, his, his mild pranking cantrips. Uh, okay. uh, and he sort of just waves at you. Oh, and I wave back then. Yeah, and uh, he's and go, Hello, he motions George. you forward. He motions you forward. I'm going to whisper into Gerby's ear and say, you've got this, buddy. I'm I'm so shake nervous. that hand. I'm going to give him a point of bardic inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. Just All right, very good. You think he's going to miss? Is I don't you don't know. know. It could be. Is a ranged spell attack? All right. So you you guys you guys get up close to this George Clooney, and you sit there at the table. George Clooney, come out. Just kidding. Just kidding. We don't have the real George Clooney. Can I whisper into Gerby's ears? If you spit in your hand, it's like you're kissing him. <laughs> Kirby licks his palm. Uh, I say, I say loudly. I say, I wanted to shake your hand the most, but we gave it to Gerby. Um, I'm a big fan. I don't know who you are. My uh, dad liked you a lot. Uh, make a persuasion roll, Stuart. 
I just feel like out of sight was what really oh, solidified Steven Soderbergh. Uh, that is a five. Okay, yeah, yeah. He is not moved at all by that story. <laughs> he still get just the one, the one handshake. And I just kind of point the sticker at him and go, "You get it. Come on." <laughs> says, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're doing. No, nope, yep. Okay. Okay. You're supposed to be a great sleuth, the detective, buddy. You yep. get it. No, that's just my character. Of hey, we're playing D and D. You got a shirt on. You watch. <laughs> <laughs> you watch. You sit down like a good boy. This oh, is that's gonna... one of my old roommates. Oh. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 harassment of random people walking by is really gonna work well in this audio media. Yeah, you love to see uh, it. Okay, so uh, yeah, you guys approach. Uh, Kirby shakes. Uh, Mr. Clooney, we do have a situation. Uh, you're gonna be shaking Kirby's hand, but we're all gonna be shaking his hand simultaneously. He says, so we I all get the whole experience. Look, I don't really care. That's fine. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you were aware. Nah, don't worry. I'm pretty in, pretty inflappable and casual. Yeah. And that's me. I'm George Clooney. I do want to say, Mr. Clooney, my body is ready. For the handshake. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, you all seem uh, very nice, like fun people, and I'm excited to shake this guy's hand. Do you want to shake more hands? You can shake all of our hands if you want. Persuasion check, Agnes. Really Ooh. good handshake. Look at these hands. Five hands for the price of one hand. <laughs> what is that? What is that? It's a ten. Ten plus. And eighteen. Ooh, eighteen. Uh, that's George a high Clooney. Line of fire. George Clooney is not. Ma is is not a uh, is not moved. Damn. Oh, not damn. moved at all. Wow, George Clooney. And he's not and a and good he, look, buddy. And he takes his hand out of the cryogenic chamber that it was in. <laughs> And he is ready for the handshake. Gerby assumes the position, stretching out his arms so that you all can grab his hand. And we all take our, each other's hands. <laughs> Guys, it's George Clooney. Yay! And we shake George Clooney's hand. Uh, and uh, uh, you all step back. And uh, 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 I feel so different. I think I'm going to quit smoking. And, uh, actually, roll, everyone roll me a pers uh, perception roll. Oof. Oh, uh, I got an 18. An 11. 18. Uh, so what did you guys get? Four? Four? Oh, nice. 19, baby. Oh, all right. Oh, big dog uh, uh, Tori, Stuart, and Gerby, you all feel nothing. There is no spark, no special anything. Oh. It all just felt like touching hands. What did Which, I feel? <laughs> you felt like it was fine and cool. You know, I I, I, we do love touching hands, though, so that is important. To yeah. Me. yeah. And uh, 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 Gerby steps back and looks like kind of horrified, and he looks at all of you, and he uh, he he he's, he sort of just like he gets really close to one of. He's just like, I don't think this is George Clooney. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> and George Clooney says, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm George Clooney. Uh, I want to do an insight check on that. Okay. Wait, and then Axel Maxwell's like, wait, which Paul Thomas Anderson film were you in? Okay, hold on oh, one second. I got a natural one. I you got a natural one. So going. I'm like, oh, that must be George Clooney then. Uh, go ahead. You take uh, you take five uh, points of anxiety damage from doing that. From looking him directly in his big, yeah. beautiful yeah, eyes. Yeah, his, his, his big golden eyes. That's right, he has golden eyes in this universe. Whoa. Oh. I would like to put George Clooney on blast. And cast two Eldritch Blasts at him. Oh, Whoa, oh, shit, dude. Attack him? Okay, okay, very good. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, God, what is my... It's plus eight. It's plus eight. Does a 11 or a 26 hit? A 26 definitely hits. Yes, it definitely yeah. does, and that means it is 2d10. Uh, okay, um... Five plus six plus 
or five plus five. Six plus eight is a sixteen. 19. Sixteen. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Wait a second. I just five. Five. oh. The um, math kind of works. Uh, yeah. The, the, the math kind of is hard for us. I uh, don't know why. Uh, oh wait. Cause we're I do. Dumb. I'm dumb. Yeah, we're dumb. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm pretty. Uh, you uh, you notice that this? Uh, what do you say? What do you say to this George Clooney? I say you're not George Clooney. He would have shaken my hand. George Clooney loves shaking hands. Yeah, I've seen him on TV. He's always yeah. touching hands. Wait a yeah. second. This is a George Buffoon-y. <gasps> Oh It's a George Clooney. <laughs> it's a George Clooney. No, what it is is you notice that as it as it you shoot these attacks, this guy just sort of stands up and he 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 he, uh, he takes off his impressive uh, silver eyebrows and uh, you see that it's just a normal guy who bears a strong resemblance to George Clooney and he says, oh, I knew this wasn't gonna work. Why didn't you shake everyone's hand then, Your jerk? Because I'm just, I, I didn't want people to figure it out that I'm not George Clooney. I'm Borge Clooney, his twin brother. Borge. Oh, we got a bowfinger situation. I'm just not as good as George Clooney. I'm slightly worse in every way. Hey, incredibly disappointed. I was in a low-budget film called Realms 5 instead of Realms 11. Oh, Jesus. No one, none of us That's saw any of those right. movies. It was direct to VHS. They don't oh. even make those anymore. Well, Borge. Um, yeah? Uh... You know what I would do if I were you? What? Stop doing this. No, I have to. My brother always puts me up to it. Wait, hey, uh, you're your own man. Actually, uh, Gorge, I'm not. I'm Borge Clooney. I'm Gorge, forever uh, to live in his shadow. I do want to ask, how much are they paying you for this? I get paid $10,000. Okay, no, maybe keep doing, keep doing it. Doing keep, it, doing it, it okay. keep doing it. Hold on no. to that gig. But my my brother makes millions for his movies, and yeah, I just make $10,000 for an appearance? Well, would you rather uh, make $0 for the appearance? Oh. <gasps> That's true. And continue not making movies. <laughs> wow, you guys are being really nice. Well, right. We're kind it, of it, roasting. It, you Kirby's still. over there, just like fuming. He's like, "You son of a bitch!" Oh, no. <laughs> Remember when you wanted to shake his hand so bad, Kirby? Ah, you've like made a, a fool little of me. nerd. <laughs> I will never love again. Will you get horny? No. no. Okay. Gerby canonically also does not get horny. Yeah. Yeah. We've tried to make him horny so many times. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun thing. Uh, it's, it's great. Uh, and then so Borge, no, looks, really, Borge looks really sad uh, uh, and uh, he sees Gerby and uh, Gerby sort of just like looks at him angrily and sadly. And uh, what is Gerby's? Oh, I have uh, to share. <laughs> right, very good. Uh, all right. Very cool. Borge. Uh, so uh, uh, he sort of looks at you for a moment. He's like, would you... Would you like to meet the real George Clooney? Yes. Yes. How are we supposed to believe you? Do you have another brother? No. Uh, well, George? yes, yes, I do. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there is a, there's a George Clooney for every letter of the alphabet. Oh. George, George Clooney, George Clooney, George Clooney. George Clooney, the first one, and they thought they nailed it and just kind of went down the line after that. They're all that. from the same letter. No, yeah, the same letter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the same, the same Clooney tank. Uh, okay. See so you guys. Uh, he, he says, uh, since you proved yourself. True of heart, and that you are true Bat Goblin fans, you may go and meet George Clooney. Wait, so he's here? Yes. He's, he's just doing a bit where he's hiding? And he he operates me with a, a remote control. Guys, is this one of his pet and set pranks he's doing? Look, uh -oh. do you want a cool dungeon or do you want to just go home? George, cool we want to meet George. <laughs> okay, follow me. And he turns and he takes back, he pulls back the curtain, and you guys follow him uh, into a, a, a green room. And he opens the door and says, He's right inside. Is he is he green? Yeah. No, it's just a green room. He's like, on the right. Yeah. When we go to the green room, which is side of the room? Yeah. He's he's on the, the right side. He's he's right right he opens the, the door and points to where George Clooney's sitting on the fucking couch. He's like, he's right there. He's right there. He's well, right we, there. We, we all walked in holding hands with our eyes closed. <laughs> 
Okay, we all hold hands and we walk yeah. in together. Okay, yeah. very good. Uh, you walk in together and uh, it's yeah, you all pile into the door, crambling yourselves again like you love to do for some reason. It's a great and bit. inside it's is George bit. Clooney. Uh, yeah. George Clooney sitting in a sort of well-appointed green room. There's a tray of uh, charcuterie and fruits oh. and uh, berries. <laughs> I don't know why I said berries instead of cheeses. And berries. <laughs> uh, in front of him on a little coffee table. And he just sort of uh, sit back. He looks really relaxed. He looks uh, cool and, and easygoing. Well, well, well. What's up? What's up? So you solved my twin brother puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> was it a puzzle or was it a prank, George? It if was, that is your real name. Uh, and I, I want I to pull on check. his eyebrows. It's, well, no, okay. You're not sitting on his lap. I, I want to sit on his lap yeah. and tell him what I want for Christmas. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not correct. We're all sitting on uh, his lap. For that insight check, <laughs> I uh, got a 19. A 19. Ooh. This is George Clooney. Ha-ha! <laughs> I've solved your puzzle. Or a very convincing fake, but it's George Clooney. Yeah. Okay. To you, it's George Clooney. Uh, 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 I was going to I was gonna ask him a, a question that only George Clooney could answer, but okay. I, don't, I don't know anything no, about George Clooney. Roll, roll me a history check. Okay. <laughs> That's a 10. Okay. Oof. And I'm going to do a just general intelligence check to try to beat it. General intelligence. Uh, I got an 11, so yeah. Ah, <laughs> what, what TV show were you ER. on in the 90s? ER. It was ER. It was ER. <laughs> That's him, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, so I feel bad What's about- What's your brother's name? Wait a second. Uh, what does one? ER stand for? Uh, it stands for Eternal Realms. That's, that's good. It. That's, that's really good. It. That's yeah. good yeah, I was ready for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, all right. So uh, he says, uh, he says, I feel bad that I, I played a little trick on you. but you played uh, a trick on everyone. So I really was really I really was feeling a little tummy sick. Oh. Yeah. George has the poops. Oh, George, George Clooney's got the poops. Got yeah. And uh, George Clooney says, I would like to give you a, uh, a gift kiss? if you'd like. You <gasps> a have, uh, you, well, no, no, it's not a kiss. Uh, okay. okay. It's not a kiss. My, it's not a kiss. I, it's <laughs> We've been tricked before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a kiss. It's just my mouth touches you. <laughs> oh, anywhere we want. As, as, as long as I don't right do that, here. it doesn't count Hello. as a kiss. Legally, he's correct. Yeah, yeah. it's legally that's the, the kissing definition. What do you uh, want to give us, George? He said, "Well, he says, well, you have an option. You can shake my hand. Okay, or all of us individually. Yes. Oh wow. Or <laughs> so you can time. have a bottle of my Casa Fan- Fantasia." Tequila. Oh, that's good. I'm thinking of the wine. Yeah, it's, we'll give me tequila. <laughs> the, the wine of the cactus. <laughs> uh, it's agave. I just wanted to clarify. Oh, real quick. nerd. Okay. I'm too cool. And it's to technically know blue agave why. too, not just any agave. Uh, okay. Every, I if, hate if you. everyone walked away right now, I would totally understand. Yeah, fine. In We'd real life and here. Okay, so you have an option. And if it's a reposada, it needs to be aged three to five. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, uh, cut his mic. Cut his mic. Uh, I, I, sir. Yes. I would like the tequila. Very good. <laughs> you have chosen wisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you shake his hand, you turn to fucking yeah. dust. <laughs> uh, who, what do you? What do you want, Tori? Um, I'm definitely taking that tequila. Okay. Okay. Very good. I'm taking the tequila. <laughs> uh, I want to take the tequila, but I want our hands to touch as I do it. Oh no, no, no! no. It's like it's like it's like a bank teller situation where he like puts it on the table and scoots it forward. And scoots I it do back. a really big reach. Dexterity, dexterity check. Oh. <laughs> Fourteen. <laughs> Fourteen. Uh, Fourteen. Sorry, no. George Clooney is like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, Doctor Clooney. Uh, I will take the tequila. If you want to put your lips around it and drink it first, that is perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, he <laughs> says. He that? says. No, that's weird. But he sco- scoots it towards you. Uh, Just thought I would ask. And uh, then he looks at Gerby and says, "What do you want?" What do you want, little boy? <laughs> uh, what do you want, Come on, Clooney's lap. 
I just want my family to have a good Christmas Aww. goose. No, just George, kidding. buy him a goose. Uh, 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 <laughs> Kirby just extends his hands up very Baby Yoda style. He's our Baby Yoda. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Babies uh, are big right now. And, and George Clooney uh, small. George Clooney reaches out and shakes Kirby's hand. And Kirby just... just Gets horny? No. Kirby uh, got horny? <laughs> Uh, so close. Uh, so close. Uh, Gerby, Gerby is going to have now a one inspiration point to use in a later episode. Um, I also want to turn to Gerby at this point and go, do you want the tequila? Do you not want it? I, I figured you would want it more. Oh, that's that really nice. Wait, well, yeah, what is that supposed to mean? Do you think I have a drinking problem? No, Gerby, no, you're I think you perfect. Like, I think you like George Clooney. If you don't want it, I'll just no, throw it right, onto the no, ground. No, you're right. No, you're right. I want it. I want it. No, I'm going to throw it into the garbage. No, don't. No. George Clooney, please don't. <laughs> I'm really proud of my cactus wine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, he, he says, well, I'm, I'm glad that you all got what you uh, came here for. Uh, well. Because you're all true lovers of Bat Goblin 4, the Revenge of the Choker, right? Ooh. Uh, no, don't put that on me. Uh, 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 so you come in here. You, you all come into my house. You come into my green room. <laughs> on, the, on the day of my F1C2E2. <laughs> on the day of my brother's wedding. That's right. I'm making him miss his wedding so that he could sit at this booth. Congrats, Borge. Can we? Big congrats and to you Borge. all, you four, don't take a handshake from me and then insult my film. Okay, it's our favorite. Yeah. Deception the, check. Deception okay. check. The fourth oh, one's the that. best one. <laughs> Oh, baby, that's great, because I got a... Well, hopefully oh, nice, a nat 20 oh, for Agnes. That is going to be a 17. Okay. I got an 11. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, cool. All right, so uh, uh, he only believes Agnes. And a <laughs> and 17, and I, damn. I, go, I didn't like the movie, and, and I don't he, like tequila he, either. He so. claps his hands ah. and miss fill the room. Oh, and I clap back at him. All right. And you all awake, and yes, you're queen. standing in Artist Alley at F1C2E2. <gasps> Was it all a dream? Was it all a dream? And he says, no, it wasn't a dream. My hand smells like George Clooney. Yay! Yeah. And that's it for our adventure here Yay! on Destin Day Jobs. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of this live episode of Destin Day Jobs. Big thank you to Podcast Corner for having us. Podcast Center here at CF. Uh, oh, now I'm. C- thank you so much to Podcast Reality Central C2E2 for having us. Uh, make sure you're also subscribing, rating, and re- reviewing. We'll add this part in later. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us and enjoying the podcast. And have a great rest of your day, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey. We've got stickers. We've got stickers. And we've got hugs. And you can touch all of our hands for free. Real, yeah. real quick, though. In, the, in this universe, is Val Kilmore Val Kill-less? <laughs> no, he's Val, uh, he's Val um, uh, Grimmore. Gr- oh, Val Grimmore is better. Right. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks, everybody. You've been so cool. Bye, everybody. Bye. Enjoy the rest of your C2E2. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.